Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland. We all know the problems of the dominant food systems, nitrates in the water, pesticides, soil depletion, injustice, factory farming, concentration of wealth. What are the practical ways that we can transition to regenerative agriculture? Um, and as individuals, we can shop at the co-op and farmer's market. And as investors, we can invest in organic farmline, farmland real estate investment trust, RITS. And that's the topic of today's show. And very pleased to have um, two leaders, leaders in the regenerative movement joining us today um, The um, uh, with Tree Range Farms, the CEO, uh, Ricanado Harslet Marquis, and uh, with Iroquois um, Valley Farms Rit, uh, we have uh, Chris Zudloff. Sorry for that name situation, but let's just um, tell me a little bit about your background and and this whole topic of regenerative agriculture and the practical things that we need to create this um, living uh, world that supports the living world. Ricky. Great. Thanks, Laura. Uh, I'll, I'll go first and then uh, Rahi can give his, uh, his background as well. But so I grew up on a, a small family dairy farm in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and really saw, you know, kind of firsthand how challenging uh, farming can be, especially in the 1980s and, and 1990s. Uh, my parents encouraged me to go out and uh, get an education and, and chart my own course just like they did before kind of going back to our, our family farm. And so I went to St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota, and then eventually kind of migrated to the East Coast, uh, where I spent uh, 18 years kind of working in more traditional uh, finance uh, roles in the investment management industry. Um, my family and I kind of currently live in the Hudson Valley of New York, and so I've maintained a very close connection to uh, food and farming and agriculture over that time period. Um, there's a vibrant regional food system here in the Hudson Valley, and I've been a long-term board member of, of Glenwood, which is a nonprofit based there, uh, whose mission is to support food and farming uh, in, in the Hudson Valley. And um, it's a kind of a long-winded intro, but for me, uh, COVID really laid bare many of the issues and injustices uh, in our food system. Um, and I felt like it, personally, for me, it was time to, to make an impact in an area where I felt like I could marry my passion with uh, uh, food and agriculture with my investment background. And so after a short career break, I, I joined Iroquois Valley uh, Farmland REIT uh, last year and became the CEO in uh, in February. So that's that's my background. Maybe Rahi, if you want to give give your your background. Sure, thanks. And uh, I learned something, and or I'm reminded of something awesome about you every time I hear you introduce yourself. So thanks for that. Uh, I'm Reginaldo Haslet Marroquin. I'm originally from Guatemala. I grew up in the rainforest of Guatemala, and um, I can say with all certainty that we were food sovereign, food secured, all the way up to the encroachment of the global corporations that came and wrecked our land and destroyed the infrastructure that we had in place. Yeah, maybe it was subsistence agriculture, as some call it, but it was food security to us. To them, it was not profitable because we, we didn't need them. And so disrupting that was critical to extract upon us. And that is no different than what happened in the United States and everywhere else. So my, my background is is in agriculture. I grew up in that space, but it is in a different kind of agriculture, one where we understand that, that the fundamental biophysics and chemistry of the planet 
evolved over billions of years to give us the most perfect design that can self-regenerate. And that is what I what I connect with when I think about agriculture, farming, and the solutions to some of the worst things that are happening to our planet today on in the name of food and agriculture. So I started agriculture, graduated from agrono- as an agronomist out of the Escuela Nacional Central de Agricultura in Guatemala and uh, Universidad San Carlos as well, Faculty of Agronomy. And I studied business administration here at Augsburg University in Minneapolis. And I became um, an entrepreneur in agriculture in 2006 when I moved to Northfield, Minnesota. Up to that point, uh, there was really no opportunity for the kind of regenerative agriculture I wanted to do. And so that's when the doors started to open and the consumers started to realize that, you know, uh, in the name of food and feeding us, the takeover of our food systems by corporations uh, have effectively and scientifically verifiably uh, been destroying the planet in the very foundation now ecological systems on which we depend to actually feed the world, but doing it in the name of feeding us. And so that stealing that from our communities and, and, and consumers and our farm communities was a real um, deliberate act. And I came to understand that a long time ago, I just, it just wasn't an opportunity to do much about it until recently, until 2005, according to some research I had been doing every year. But I was dying to get back into this space. It's just well, there was no more opportunity to do it uh, before that point. And since then, I've worked tirelessly to develop a poultry center regenerative agriculture design, which then connected me to Chris and to Equal Valley Farms and to my farm where I'm right now. And um, honestly, um, I think that in the rush of trying to figure out how to get food on the table uh, and understanding that that working with the land is a hard thing to do and the farmers always being discounted and depreciated and, and under under um, appreciated in the context of the tremendous service that we provide to society uh, in, in the integrity that we bring to the food that we put on our table. There was a point there where that harsh hardship of doing farming um, uh, was traded for the idea that we could mechanize, optimize the efficiencies of mechanical efficiencies and all of that. And as farmers, we gave up the the right to that relationship with the land and the living systems of the ecosystem to corporations that were only concerned with money. And then consumers also, by choosing that, gave away the right and their con- to connect with the farmers who could deliver them actual nutrition and quality of life. And as a result of that, we are now in a peril situation where in the name of food, these companies have now effectively come to a point where they're destroying the planet and um, profiting on top of it in the name of feeding us. And that's why I'm here. That's my mission in life. And um, I'm happy to have partnered with Erico Valley Farms because they are also a huge component of this new way of thinking and relating to these living systems and to each other. Absolutely love this conversation. And so ownership of the land, and I'm going to put ownership in in quotes, but in our systems right now, we have ownership of land. How to move toward a living um, version of reality where we honor the complexity in the soil and the complexity in life, we need to reclaim um, 
ownership of land, which is what um, your work is about. Is that is that accurate, Chris? Yes. Yeah. So we're structured as a, a real estate and investment trust, and you know what we try to do is provide innovative financial you know products and, and services to to farmers to to really give them you know that land access uh, and long term land tenure. Uh, Rehi mentioned farming is hard. Farming is uh, risky, and and we undervalue uh, farmers kind of in the the production of of, of food. Uh, um, and so we we meet farmers where they're at, um, and in terms of working with them to uh, transition uh, land from often from conventional uh, farming practices to organic and regenerative practices. So we provide two main products and services to uh, to our, our farmers and our customers, which is uh, uh, purchase leases where we'll uh, buy a parcel of farmland and that a farmer identifies um, and lease that back to them over a long-term lease, uh, uh, initially six years with kind of three-year renewals uh, thereafter. So we help them get through that kind of uh, that valley of death in the, the organic transition. Uh, more often than not, um, cash rents and conventional farming is just is one year, and it makes it very difficult for a farmer to uh, to transition to uh, organic. Um, we also provide uh, mortgage financing um, to uh, to farmers as well to to buy uh, land uh, outright. Um, and there we have a five year interest only uh, term in our mortgage uh, again to help kind of navigate that tricky organic transition and. Uh, that's the uh, uh, product that we uh, um, I think initially uh, worked on with Rehi at his farm uh, in Northfield, uh, South Sierra. So I'm going to hear more about that, but just to put this in context, so the Midwest has 54% of owner-operated land, the lowest among all regions in the U.S. So what does this mean that the people who are working the land are not owning the land, and how do we and, – and so maybe I'll have Rehi talk about that because um, it is about sovereignty too. Yeah, so one of the things we have observed is, and in, in, let's zero down on Minnesota because this is this is what we are right here, but there is approximately somewhere around 110,000 farmers in Minnesota, uh, of which only about 800 uh, are actually of non-Anglo-Saxon uh, descendancy. And that gives you a really quick, quick uh, sense of where the ownership of the land is. But also in Minnesota, we are lucky that we have this anti-corporate land ownership uh, law, which is a real blessing because if we went for that, we would be right now being bought out by the Chinese and by other other foreign governments and, and entities that are actually grabbing up land in the Midwest, especially. So this is critical to understand because that shift of ownership is one of the critical elements of how the land, how we treat the land as a society gets defined. But the second most important thing is about control. And this is where Minnesota has a disadvantage is that the control of the land uh, is is on behalf of these extractive and exploitative um, systems. And that's why you can drive anywhere in Minnesota right now. And mostly what you will find is corn and soybeans. If that ownership or the control or both of those we're in the hands of people like us. That's not what you will find. You will find 
agroforestry systems, civil pasture systems, you will find organic farming, you will find wetlands being restored, pollinator habitats being restored at the same time that we grow all the food that we need. And that's the difference. And that's what we got to observe within those statistics. There is a very important story and ownership and control is central. And that's why in, the, in this case, you know, my relationship with Terry Valley Farms was exactly about both shifting the control and shifting the ownership. Why is that important to separate? Because I could have taken ownership of this land with Erico Valley Farmers support. That doesn't give me control. That gives me ownership. But think about this. What gives control of what happens on the land is who buys my products and what they want. That's what gives me control over that, what I can do in that space. And this is why in our case, we we mounted a whole system that is regenerative. And by that, I mean not, not starting just with what you're going to do on the land, but the system level infrastructure, so, such as codifying ancestral knowledge, indigenous ways that are regenerative and have been regenerative for many tens of thousands of years, longer than the term regenerative that emerged somewhere in 2015 or so, right? And so that way of thinking codified into a modern expression that allows us to relate to that land in a way that we encourage the abundance of the output that it can generate, that's really the foundation of regenerative. Now, without the system-level infrastructure, such as you know, uh, business development, as the contracting, market development, branding, uh, codification of the of what you do on the farm, the codification of the transition within a system level perspective, not just transitioning to organic and then wondering what the heck you do with the product. All of that is part of the control. And that's why we talk about this and about the landscape, who owns, who controls, or who owns and controls, or who controls and doesn't own, which is what corporations have become really good at, control. Because that's why you see corn and soybeans, not necessarily just because that's what farmers want to do. It's just because they got no control over what they can do on their land. Where do so they sell? This is the story of Minnesota. It's the story of the Midwest. And as a consequence, it's the story of this sad situation we're in, where intellectually so myopic that we can't see the shore anymore. And this we have to change. And that's what we're doing. I absolutely love this. And this is the whole point of Food Freedom Radio is how do we, you know, come from almost, I'm going to say a soul level and a joy level to create the food system that we know is possible. Um, and I, and system level change is so vital. And uh, we're going to spend most of the show talking with Chris about the financing and the writ and how that works. But um, as long as we still have you, I wanted to just make sure our listeners understand what Tree Range Farms is and a little bit about um, how they can support you. They can buy tree range farm chickens at Seward Co-op right now. And and again, just remind our listeners um, how it works. Yeah, I mean, so you, we don't spend too much of Chris's and, and your program's time. Go to treerangefarms.com and in, in that website, you will find a way to sign up for our, our regular updates, newsletter, email list. It's the best way to stay in touch because then we can tell you when a new, when a new store opens up, uh, no, start selling our our tree range chicken, especially. And um, also you will find all the retail stores where, where you can find our products. And as we expand, we'll keep updating that on a weekly basis these days because we have an awesome team. And Ted Pedersen, who does marketing, uh, sales, and distribution is 
out there right now. And Jennifer Cepeda, who runs our operations, is out there working with farmers and 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 ensuring that we are connecting. And you will find all of that on our website. But basically, Tree Range Farms is the marketing, branding, contracting, and distribution arm of a full ecosystem of enterprises and a nonprofit, backbone nonprofit that oversees the support systems for the farmers and for everybody who wants to enter the system. Um, so we are an ecosystem of businesses. Tree Range Farms is simply the, the, the arm that the go-to-market uh, arm of the whole ecosystem. And I run the company, <clears throat> but it's not necessarily just me. There's a whole team of us, and we work together in tandem with all of the other uh, entities in the systems. You know. So we're going to need to take a break here, but I want to make sure people understand the basic idea. You, you plant hazelnuts and, and the chickens, and the hazelnuts, the chickens provide fertilizer for the hazelnuts, and the hazelnuts pr- provide protection for the chicken. And it's with the system where people can make a living without having a big farm. They can make a living from an agroforestry um, approach to uh, food. That's the basic idea. Yes. And then how that is the basic idea. And how important was um uh the um um the Iroquois um um writ to helping you create this system? Oh believe me, the without Iroquois Valley Farms, I would not have access to the sixty five acres where I'm sitting right now. The the main training farm, which is what I run, wouldn't exist. The three production units that are now on their second flock in this year is the first year we are producing wouldn't be there. The 700 or so people that have come here for training and to learn about this would not have come here. The, the, the over 50 farmers right now that are being recruited, the 10 that are being trained and the other nine that are already producing wouldn't have a place to come and continue to fine tune their system. The R&D that we are doing wouldn't be happening. The partnership with uh, General Mills that is allowing us to scientifically verify the ecological impact of putting all of this photosynthetic infrastructure, the animal intervention and the soil health being monitored, scientifically verified, all of that wouldn't be happening because we need these places to be top-notch and to be placed in the hands of the people who actually can turn into an inspiration for everybody else. I would not have been able to do that if Eric Valley Farms hadn't been there and done the deal because nobody else was willing to because I was not qualified for that money. Eric Valley Farms figured it out and then and did it. And I was qualified. Proof of it is that I have paid back. Eric Valley Farms had, you know, we have been great partners. Um, the, that was, the issue wasn't whether I could pay or not. The issue was the way the system sees you and they don't see our potential. That is the problem, and and that was not the issue here. So, I mean, that's just to give you a quick a quick overview. But we are doing a lot more than just the deal here. Chris can elaborate on that later because, you know, to your listeners, we are trying to change the system, not to launch a farm. <laughs> I absolutely love every time we talk. So, Chris, do you want to say anything to Reke before we say goodbye? No, just that he's been a fantastic partner for Iroquois Valley, and we're uh, very excited to kind of deepen and broaden. The relationship, you know, as Ray, he mentioned, not just with uh, Salvia Terra Farms, but with the entire ecosystem. So that's, you know, how, how thinking through how we apply systems level thinking uh, to uh, the regenerative poultry model. And we want to be there to support uh, support him uh, and the entire ecosystem. And how we have farmers make a living. Is there well, anything else absolutely. you'd like to say? 
Ricky, before we say goodbye. Yes, but more importantly, how do we live as farmers? Because too many of us are just alive, not living. That's a very different, important differentiation. This, I get to live. This is what I want to live for. So living, being alive, I, as an immigrant, I was alive, not living. The land is where I live. And this is what I, I have now. So, and and I hope I can keep it if I can, you know, if the market and everybody else responds. So to your customers, when you buy out, when you go buy food, buying food, your dollars are the most important way you can change the system. And please choose uh, wisely. We will do the same on our end. Beautiful conversation. We're going to need to take a break. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline. We'll be learning more about uh, farmland real estate investments and how they can build the world that a living world, right? You said it right there. A living world where we all feel alive and joyful. Start seeing joy. Start seeing joy. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund. Now, we all know the problems of uh, the dominant uh, food system, um, nitrates, um, loss of soil, pesticide, factory farming, injustice, and just more stress. I mean, it's kind of like a non-joyful system. <laughs> but there are people like uh, Reke that we listened to in the last one with Tree Range Farms that is really um, bringing living systems to agriculture. And uh, joining me now is uh, Chris Zuldorf. He is the CEO of Iroquois Valley Farms. Um, so, hi, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, Laura. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about again about yourself. Remind yourself. Uh, remind us of of your background and what is um, Iroquois farmland rets. Yeah. So I'm from Minnesota originally. I, I grew up on a small family dairy farm in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. You know, that's that's where I kind of had my first obvious experience to uh, to farming and agriculture and saw firsthand how challenging. Uh, farming can be, how risky it can be, especially in the 1980s and, and 1990s. Um, and you know, my parents encouraged me to go go to college, go get an education and kind of chart my uh, own course, just like uh, they did before moving back to our, our family farm. And you know, so I went to uh, St. Olaf College in uh, Northfield, Minnesota, and slowly migrated to the uh, the East Coast. Spent about 18 years working in more traditional uh, uh, finance and investment management uh, roles. Um, but then during uh, COVID, uh, you know, I, I really uh, became uh, very aware of the challenges and injustices in our, our food system. Um, and, you know, through some work I've been doing uh, in the Hudson Valley uh, with uh, Glenwood, a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, you know, um, I, I saw another model for a kind of regional food system uh, uh action and activity um, and felt like it was time to make an impact, uh, you know, in, in an area that I'm passionate about and, and kind of pair that with my investment experience. And so after a short career break, that led me to join Iroquois Valley Farmland uh, REIT uh, last summer and I became CEO in February. So I'll give you maybe a little bit of background on, uh, on Iroquois Valley, um, you know, because as you mentioned, Laura, it's very apparent uh, now that the food system really sits at this intersection of environmental health, 
human health and social justice. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily apparent in 2007 when uh, Dr. Stephen Rivard and, and Dave Miller kind of bought their first uh, farm in Iroquois, Iroquois County, Illinois, and found a, a farmer to transition it to, uh, to organic. But uh, Doc, as he's kind of affectionately known uh, around the uh, around the opposite Iroquois Valley, he was an ER doctor uh, in Chicago and really had a front row seat in terms of the, you know, the increase in diet-related disease, uh, obesity, and food allergies, and kind of just all the inflammation in our in our body, and you know, so he sought answers, and you know, he believes strongly that organic farming is uh, one of those solutions to all these uh, diet-related diseases in society today, and so, um, you know, Dave Miller has a background in. Uh, in real estate finance. Um, and so, you know, they were good partners, obviously beyond the fact that they were college roommates uh, and like friends from high school in central Illinois. So like I said, they bought their first farm in 2007. A couple of years later, they bought another one. And by 2016, they uh, converted a uh, investment fund into a, uh, a private real estate investment trust. And so today our mission is to transform agriculture through organic land stewardship for the health of people, communities, and our planet. We've got a portfolio of more than 110 farmland investments um, in 20 states, spanning about 30,000 uh, 30, acres. And so this is a way that people um, with IRAs or with money can actually invest in organic farmland without being farmers. Absolutely. And without buying just one farm, right? like we said, kind of farming is, is, is risky, it's, it's challenging. And so uh, investing in a real estate investment trust uh, provides a di diversified portfolio uh, of organic farmland. Um, our portfolio is made up of uh, um, organic uh, row crops, primarily in the Midwest. Um, in addition to some diversified farming operations. So think of uh, um, that's kind of like Rahe's operation where you might have multiple revenue streams attached to a single uh, a single farm. And then we also do uh, kind of pastured grazing and, and livestock oper operations. So that's uh, kind of our portfolio today. Think of the footprint from Maine to Montana uh, with, a, with a few other states uh, kind of uh, in there as well. But about 20 states, uh, over 100, uh, 110 investments with 67 different farmers uh, spanning 30,000 acres. And you're also a B Corp. So what does that mean? Yeah, uh, great question. So a public benefit corporation is, is really like, a, I would say, a legal tool that creates kind of the foundation uh, for long-term mission alignment uh, and value creation, right? So do a law, culture, um, you know, basically traditional for-profit corporations, um, their fiduciary responsibilities to maximize kind of financial return for shareholders. Um, so that kind of framework doesn't always accommodate for-profit entities where the mission and impact uh, is central to the business model. So what the benefit corporation does is it allows you to take into consideration all of your stakeholders uh, when making decisions. So maybe it's workers, it could be customers, it could be the community in which you're based, it could be the environment. Um, and so for Iroquois Valley, uh, our stakeholders are our farmers, our investors, and our team, our, our employees. And um, so, but so you are grounded on just organic use and soil health. So you're not just investing in land, but it has to have that soil health and that regenerative or that living fo food system value behind it. 
Absolutely, yeah. So if you think of our kind of stated public benefit, which uh, public benefit corporations have, it's enabling healthy food production, restoring soil, improving water quality uh, through the establishment of secure, sustainable farmland tenure. Um, but yeah, and in terms of the organic and regenerative practices, um, every uh, single farmer in our portfolio um, is either already certified organic uh, because we've kind of helped them get through that transition or they're in the process of transitioning kind of through that three, uh, three year uh, 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 organic transition. And a number of our farmers, uh, depending on their business model, um, you know, their production system and, uh, and where their farm is based, uh, apply a, a number of regenerative and kind of soil building, soil conservation practices over and above kind of the organic, uh, organic certification. So how does this work for people who want to invest? What are the, do you have minimums and what are the processes of, okay, I, I believe in regenerative agriculture, but I also need the limited IRA money I have. How does, how does it work? Yeah. So we sell equity shares in our REIT, uh, as well as impact, uh, investment notes. Those are the two ways that we, uh, raise capital from investors. And so we're fortunate to have 800 plus, uh, investors who are mission aligned and supporting our work. For our equity shares, we raise, uh, um, like I said, raise capital as low as $10,000 from non-accredited investors, uh, which is unique. Uh, you know, buying one farm is, is very expensive, or if you're an institution, you know, it, it's a, just a very large uh, amount of money. But because of the, uh, the way we're structured as a real estate investment trust, um, our REIT shares um, are as low as $10,000 for non-accredited investors. Um, and so it's a very democratic way to access uh, organic uh, farmland. And, you know, like I think the investment thesis uh, for us in terms of like what you get when you invest in our uh, equity and our REIT is uh, obviously you have the uh, impact that we're trying to achieve on uh, environmental outcomes, human health outcomes, social justice outcomes. But you also have the financial uh, return aspect to it as well. So. Uh, shareholders will benefit from the income from the operations of our uh, REIT and through the uh, potential for appreciation of uh, farmland over time. Oh, I guess so people can get passive income through this REIT? Yes, yes. And so uh, your question about why is it good, is it good for uh, IRAs or could IRA capital be invested? The answer is uh, yes. I'm not here to give tax advice, but yes, it's, very, it's a very good uh, investment from an IRA perspective as well. So um, how does it work? Is there's like a five-year thing or if I, you know, is it a, give me more details. Um, um, a, a REITs for dummies. I want to like a, a one-minute REITs for dummies. Yeah. So a, a real estate investment trust um, is a very common investment vehicle. Um, it's uh, companies who own apartment buildings, uh, office buildings, warehouses, um, you know, are often structured as a, a REIT. And so through the process of owning and operating um, you know, real estate, uh, the income, uh, 90% of all uh, income needs to be passed on to, uh, to shareholders. Uh, so there's a, uh, an income benefit plus the appreciation of, of the asset. And so that's the same for, uh, for Iroquois Valley and our REIT, the uh, rental income, uh, mortgage interest income. Um, after we pay rent, pay our, you know, employees and our interest expense, that 90% of that gets passed on to our, um, um, to our shareholders. Great. Now, uh, so uh, we're going to take another break. And um, so I'm going to make sure people know the, your website. Uh, what is the website address? Can, can you spell it out? 
Yep. Yeah, it's uh, uh, www.iroquoisvalley.com. So it's uh, I-R-O-Q-U-O-I-S valley.com. Great. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. We're going to talk next about how this works for farmers. Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund. And joining us is the CEO, um, uh, Chris Zuldorf. Zuldorf. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and we're talking um, about um, REIT um, for organic farmland. And we're with uh, Chris Zuldorf um, with the Iroquois Valley um, Farms. And again, tell us a little bit about um, how this works for investors, and then we're going to focus on how this works for farmers. Yeah, thanks, Laura. It's great to, great to be here. Great to be back. Um, so as a real estate investment trust, we raise capital from mission-aligned investors who buy uh, equity shares in our REIT, and they also can purchase uh, impact investment notes, which is a type of uh, debt, uh, debt interest uh, instrument. And we, we use that capital that we raise from uh, investors then to deploy or invest um, into supporting farmers. Uh, we do that primarily through uh, providing uh, uh, leases to uh, to farmers if they would rather uh, uh, not own the uh, farmland but uh, lease it from us and we also provide mortgage financing for farmers who want to own uh, own the farmland uh, which is very typical in uh, uh, states like Minnesota and, and Iowa and other locations where there's a kind of anti-corporation farming farming laws so we can provide mortgage financing in those okay uh, so in those states and it's all organic or transitioning to organic and um, a farmland that's focused on soil health and water health. Absolutely. Yeah. So our, our process, our investment process really starts with the, the farmer. They're going to bring us the, the, the property, the farm, kind of the, the deal that works for their, their business model, uh, their production system. Um, and we are working with the farmer through our leases and through our mortgage financing to help them transition to, uh, to organic certification. So if you think about our, our lease structure, it's very different than a conventional, uh, kind of cash, uh, cash lease with farmers. So we, we do a six year term. So it's a very long term, uh, uh, initial term. You know, if you think about organic certification, that takes, uh, three years. Uh, so we help farmers get through that transition period with a lower uh, uh, lease rate in the first three years, which then steps up to a slightly higher uh, uh, lease rate after they become certified and can earn a premium on their organic uh, uh, organic production. Um, our leases um, have three-year renewals. And then after year seven, um, uh, the farmer has the ability to uh, purchase the, uh, the property um, from, uh, from us, which is a, which is a, great, uh, a great outcome. So you are not a farmland trading company. This is not about farmland trading. It's about supporting farmers to buy and own their own land. Absolutely, yeah. It is about long-term land access and land uh, land tenure. Farmers are the best stewards of the land. They, they know the they know the land uh, uh, better than uh, better than we do. Um, um, and so our goal is to support through those two products, mortgage financing and purchase leases, kind of long-term land access and long-term land tenure for, uh, for organic and regenerative farmers. So what does rooted in regeneration mean? 
Yeah, that's that's a great example of our uh, new impact investment note, uh, which we just launched in, in July. And so we've issued uh, promissory notes since 2014 uh, to offer kind of a fixed income like uh, investment uh, to investors that supports organic uh, organic farmers. Our first one, which was very successful, was a soil restoration note, which basically uh, took a a small present, uh, percentage of the interest income that was paid to investors to fund a pool um, that uh, supports uh, soil conservation efforts. So farmers would apply uh, for grant grant dollars, think of it like equip loans to build fencing, maybe put in some water infrastructure. And so we use that pool to fund uh, soil conservation efforts. Um, and so the rooted in regeneration note is a kind of a natural evolution of us responding to um, uh, another uh, critical need in the uh, um, organic and regenerative kind of financing ecosystem. And that's uh, thinking through how we can support uh, socially disadvantaged farmers uh, in the organic farming community. So it's primarily black and indigenous and, and farmers of color. And so with the rooted in regeneration note, um, it's a fixed income instrument um, and a similar model. We're setting aside a small portion of the interest income into what we call our rooted and regeneration pool, uh, which is used to uh, provide uh, discounts uh, uh, on the terms of loans and you know, interest rate reductions to socially disadvantaged farmers who are, again, pursuing kind of organic and regenerative farming, uh, farming practices. And let's talk about some of the challenges, because um, I think, you know, regeneration, especially when you hear of great things like tree range farms and smallholders making a living um, joyfully on, 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 in, in farming as opposed to the monoculture industrial system that's providing a lot of unhealthy or has a lot of health concerns to it. Uh, but what are some of the challenges? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think only one to one and a half percent of, of all farmland is, uh, is organic. So it's very much a grassroots, uh, movement, right? And, and so one of the challenges is, is competing against this 800 pound gorilla. That's, uh, that's the incumbent, that being conventional agriculture. So it has all the institutional support, you know, from the big ag, the big food companies, um, kind of the government subsidies from the USDA and a financing ecosystem that works for the conventional agricultural model. Um, that doesn't necessarily exist uh, for organic and regenerative uh, farming. And so we're trying to, you know, uh, address the, the, the financing uh, tools and the financing needs uh, that farmers uh, require through an organic transition. So that's kind of one big, uh, one big challenge. Um, and because of the limited amount of organic farmland, the limited amount in terms of the number of organic farmers, you don't have that same kind of um, cohort or ecosystem of, of colleagues, of technical assistance, you know, uh, to kind of seek guidance and seek support through kind of challenges that uh, farmers face kind of every growing season, whether it's weed pressure, uh, um, you know, challenges with, uh, with water or soil health and soil fertility. So we also try to kind of support farmers with technical assistance, kind of convene other like-minded organic farmers together to offer up best practices and ways to uh, support each other and support this grassroots uh, uh, movement. 
Great. Um, and I think I'll go back to the docks and why, why this uh, REIT was first founded. It wasn't necessarily founded as a way of um, investing money, um, even though it does that. It functions that way. But it was actually founded by a doctor who um, believes in the functional state of healthy soil and how healthy soil is connected to healthy um, humans and healthy ecosystems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, done back in 2007 when Dr. Rivard and David Miller founded the, founded the company. And yeah, that was the kind of the key, key insight is healthy soil, you know, healthy food, healthy humans. Um, and so let's, uh, we are down to our last two minutes already. So again, um, tell us about how people can connect with you and ways and different reasons people may want to connect with you. Yeah. So if you're uh, an investor and interested in Iroquois Valley, please, uh, please go to our website. Um, it's, you know, we have all of our kind of documents, uh, pitch books, uh, uh, that, and ways to kind of access our uh, uh, investor relations team. Should you want to kind of follow up in more, uh, in more detail and learn more about Iroquois Valley. Uh, we also have a four farmers section on our website. So if you're uh, a farmer listening today and uh, kind of uh, want to learn more about organic farming or uh, have a keen interest in this in the space and you know even maybe have a project you're working on we have a great farmer relations team uh, that uh, can walk through that uh, that process um, in terms of how to help uh, you know support your uh, your kind of future farmland uh, uh, access needs because a lot of farmland is turning over right now and we have a problem with aging farmers so if someone has a land and they want to like you know, transition it to one kid and you can buy out the other kids. There's there's a lot of ways that you can help um, individual farmers um, maintain that relationship with the land. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I think I think the according to the USDA, the average age of a farmer today is almost like 60, 60 years old. And so a lot of our discussions uh, that our farmer relations team has is around succession planning, transition planning. And, you know, if it's the younger generation that, that wants to kind of pursue organic, uh, organic farming, how, how can we be supportive um, of that, uh, of that transition, um, given the, given the kind of financing needs that may be there. Great. And again, you want to give the website um, again and um, other ways that people might be able to connect. Yep, yep. It's www.iroquoisvalley.com and Iroquois is I-R-O-Q-U-O-I-S, iroquoisvalley.com. A granite future. And I I also really uh, want to thank uh, Recky with uh, Train Range Farms. It's such a beautiful um, opening, an opening. Like, I mean, why not have small farms? We can make money on these small farms and leave them to your kids. And we can all be investing in this organic system. I mean, 1% of land is now organic. Come on, we can change that. Um, And again, your investments are open to people um, at the $10,000 level. So um, it's a practical way.